Turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 5, please. Joshua chapter 5. This may be beyond your experience, but anybody remember a rollaway bed? How many of you know what a rollaway bed is? Some of you don't. Rollaway bed was one of these uh, kind of a thin mattress on a, on, a, on a set of springs, and you could fold it up, and it had wheels on it, and you could just roll it out of the room. I grew up using those things. I don't even remember what the context was, but there's a lot of things we can roll away. We got a roll, what is it, a rollback, a wrecker? Is that what they call it, Chris? Rollback? We're going to talk about rolling some stuff away today. I don't have any really cool illustrations or funny stories, so we're just going to get right to it. Um, you know, we, some of you have been praying a lot this week. You're hoping that something that's been rolling will keep rolling. And uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then it don't matter. Uh, Nick Saban re retired. Oh. The tide's been rolling. We'll see if they keep rolling, right? Anyway. I know, it really don't matter. Joshua chapter 5, let's read it together. Now when all the Amorite kings went off uh, west of the Jordan, and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River before the Israelites, until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear, and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath Hireloth. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on their way to leaving, on their way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land He had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So He raised up their sons in their place. And these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on their way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. Thank God for that. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites. But that year they ate the produce of Canaan. Rolled away the reproach of Egypt. I just want to set this scene for you. We talked about consecrating themselves. Really, we talked about consecrating their comfort zone to the Lord a couple of weeks ago. Consecrating 
their comfort zone to the Lord on the east side of the Jordan. And they did. They consecrated themselves. They obeyed the command of the Lord. They took a step of faith off of the river bank into that river that was flooded. They made that step and God began to do wonders among them. Now the river has flowed back in its place. They're camped, hemmed in with all of their enemies. No retreat. The river's still flooded and God's not going to back the river up again for them to disobey and run away from the call of God. He's not going to make that easy on them. So they're hemmed in with their enemies and God says, circumcise all these military age guys. Okay, wait a minute, Lord. We're hemmed in with our enemies. We're about to go to battle and you're telling us to have minor surgery? Or you can call it major surgery. If you're a guy, it's major surgery. And we're all adults here mostly and, and, and we, we know what circumcision is. And so they had to obey God and put themselves in a situation. Fortunately, because of all the wonders that Almighty God had done for this group of people, their enemies were scared spitless and did not attack them while they were healing up. If only they had known. If only the residents of Jericho and Ai had known the whole kit and caboodle of fighting men of Israel were in the infirmary. They were in rehab. They were healing up and could have been wiped out. Just like that. But God had prepared the way. And they obeyed God. And because they did, they now made a new kind of all-in consecration. And God said to them, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from your lives. Now what's he talking about? Well, let's just go back 40 years. They had been slaves for hundreds of years. They had been used and abused and lost hope. They had dibbled and dabbled in all of the, all of the idol worship of Egypt. And they had experienced some of the worldly pleasures of Egypt. As a matter of fact, as they start moving through the wilderness and they encounter one difficulty after another, their heart continually wanted to go back to Egypt where they were slaves. And they would say things like, if only we could eat from the flesh pots of Egypt. In other words, the meat pots. Man, we had meat. We had leeks and onions. We had spices. We had these kinds of vegetables. We had all of this stuff. Man, if only. All they could remember were the creaturely comforts afforded them in slavery. Their hearts wanted to go back. You say, what was the reproach of Egypt? I think it had to do with two things. Number one, their identity. And number two, their desires. And so when God says, because you've circumcised yourselves and you've obeyed me and you have, you have come to a point of all-in kind of consecration, no turning back, because by the way, circumcision cannot be undone. Right? 
Circumcision is an, it's, it's, once it's done, it's done. And so I want to talk to you about removing the reproach of Egypt from our lives and what that looks like and how it happens. We have to remove the baggage of Egypt from our identity. From our identity. You see, in a lot of ways, we're, we're a lot like the Israelites. We live in this world, but we're not supposed to be not of this world, right? That's what Scripture says. As a matter of fact, if you'll read through Paul's letters to the churches over and over again, you're going to hear him say things like this. Put that old self off. Put the new self on. Don't let yourself go there. Don't let yourself get caught up in that. Don't let yourself get sucked into this. He says to the Romans, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We remember these, right? Most of you know these scriptures by heart. Because you see, what Paul understood is this is that every one of us who walk in a muddy world get mud on us. And if we're not careful, we get mud in us. It's one thing to be rubbing shoulders with people that don't love God. It's another thing to begin to take on their values and their perspectives. Unfortunately, the Israelites evidently had become enmeshed in the Egyptian mindset, the Egyptian way of life, more than you ever would have thought they would. And it began to come out under pressure. And so you've got a mass of people moving through the desert, God demonstrating His power and glory and presence with a cloud over them, uh, uh, a cloud over by day that shielded them and a pillar of fire by night that kept them from freezing in the desert. He opened the Red Sea. He brought manna out of heaven. He brought water out of a rock. He turned bitter water into sweet. All of these things he did that demonstrated his reality and his care and his concern and his covenant with his people. His commitment to be their everything and to help them in all of their situations. In spite of all of that, the people of Israel had left Egypt, but Egypt had not left the people. Okay? And some of you have heard a dozen sermons on this very thing. That's okay. You're going to hear it again. I think most of us vastly underestimate how much our culture and our environment affects us. I think we vastly underestimate it. I think that it takes the Holy Spirit to help us see where Egypt has infiltrated our hearts and our perspectives and maybe has even affected our values. And I'm just going to get to the, to the, to the crunch point and it's this. If we will ask the Holy Spirit to show us where we've got Egypt in us, and we will be willing for Him to deal with it? To cut some things off or out of our lives that are defiling us? We'll see Him do wonders among us. We'll see Him do wonders among us. Because He's asking for an all-in kind of consecration. 
And it has to do with our identity and our desires. And so none of that's in my notes. So, you know, just hang on. First point is remove baggage of Egypt from our identity. There's a scripture I read last week about the veil being over the people of Israel's eyes. and that. But when they turn to the living God, the veil's taken away. What does it mean to turn? I talked a little bit about this last week, but when turn in the Bible is language of repentance. It's saying, I'm going this way, my way. I'm seeing things this way, my way, or my world's way. But when I turn, I'm turning away from that and I'm turning toward God's way and God's view, His values, His desires, His agenda. And so when these people we're at this point of having crossed the Jordan and God says circumcise them, that does not make military sense. That does not make political sense. But what it does in God's eyes is says, I'm all in and I'm going to have to depend on you to be my protector, my provider. I'm all in. And I am willing to let go of the way I coped in Egypt. I'm willing to let go of the way I got along to get along in Egypt. I am not even going to fall into the same trap my parents fell into in the wilderness. This is a new generation. It's a new time. It's a new way. It's a new method. It's a new provision. It's a new everything. And I'm in. I want a new identity. We sang at the end of the service last week, turn your eyes upon Jesus. When we turn, really turn our hearts on Jesus, just hear me please. It means we have to turn our hearts away from something. Amen. You can't give more of yourself to Jesus without giving less of yourself to something or someone else. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us hear what you would say. Help us. This is an important moment, Lord. In many ways, we're hemmed in with our enemies. We need the reproach of Egypt off and out of us. But it won't happen if your spirit doesn't highlight what needs to be off and out. I pray you would do that. I pray that, God, we wouldn't shut down mentally and emotionally. But we would be willing to hear what the spirit wants to say in Jesus' name. Circumcision was a cutting into the flesh that had lasting consequences. Marked forever. Marked as belonging to God Forever. You know what? If they had not been circumcised and they got in a pitch battle and they were taken prisoner and they said, oh, I'm not an Israelite. All they'd have to do is do a medical examination. And if they were circumcised, they were Israelite. You hear what I'm saying? 
It was a mark cut into their identity that they could not deny. In other words, it was a point of no return. It was, it was a moment where they were going to identify with the one true living God that had delivered them out of slavery, out of Egypt, it was a moment when they were going to say, I'm with Him, do or die, sink or swim, good or bad, till death do us part, I'm with Him, the one true living God. What He says I'm going to do, where He directs I'm going to go, what He says give, I'm going to give, what He says say, I'm going to say, because I'm with Him. And He made a covenant with me. The mark, it was the mark of the covenant identity of God's people. I just want to ask you this question. Are you willing as a child of God not to be able to blend in anymore? See, I'm not preaching. I'm talking to real people. I'm talking to me and you. I'm talking to real people. Are you willing not to blend in anymore? Are you willing to be so identified with Jesus it might create some pushback for you? Are you willing to say it's me and Jesus and, you know, whatever that means? Are you publicly known as a believer at your job? Do your neighbors know you're a believer? Hopefully they can summarize something's going on because you get up and leave every Sunday morning, right? Or for some of you, some Sunday mornings. God was calling His people to truly identify their whole being with the one living God. Why? Because there was a culture that was just waiting to absorb them. To rob them of any distinctive kind of faith that impacted their daily life. Let me tell you something. Just because you come to church doesn't mean you are truly identifying with Jesus. It's got to go out these doors with you. It can't just happen in here. Just because you show up here on a Sunday every now and then does not mean you have truly identified with the cause and the heart and the values and the power and the reality of the living Christ. I'm preaching a little hard today. But I think this is what the Lord wants, wants me to hear and wants you to hear. God was calling the Israelites to a new identity, a new attitude, a new direction, a new way of provision, a new way of protection to prevent them from being swallowed up in a pagan culture. Because that's what was looming and it almost happened on the east side of the Jordan. 24,000 people lost their lives because Moab seduced them. Don't tell me you can't be seduced by the pleasures of this world. I can and you can. Nobody in this room is exempt from the seduction of the enemy. You hear what I'm saying? No one in this room is exempt. I would never do what they did. Maybe you wouldn't, but you might be tempted to do something they would never do. Don't put yourself beyond temptation. I don't understand all of it, but even Jesus was tempted. 
We know he didn't sin. And you can debate as long as you want to whether he could have given in to temptation. That one just screws my brain around. And I'm telling you, we have a culture that wants to absorb us, nullify us, neutralize us, and take any edge off of our consecration to Jesus as the ultimate value. What does it mean for them to roll away the baggage off of their identity, the baggage of Egypt? For one thing is, it means they're no longer slaves. Some of you sitting in this room, you're still a slave to your worst moment in your life. And it's not God's will. It's not God's will. Some of you are still a slave to that besetting sin you just can't seem to get victory over. And you have... You have identified with that sin more than you have the grace and mercy of God. And I'm telling you, it ends today. Amen. Today! That cross is still there for a reason from last Sunday night. I'm going to tell you what's going on here because I'm going to give you a chance to do this in a few minutes. There's little slips of paper and pens and push pens. And, and you're going to have an opportunity to write your regrets, your worst moment, your sin your greatest temptation and pin it to that cross and we're going to pray for deliverance so that in your mind and your heart, you're no longer a slave. These people had grown up in slavery, but the kids born in the desert had never been slaves. And now it's time for them to quit living their parents' worst mistakes. Some of you still feel like you're living under your parents' worst mistakes. And I'm telling you, it's time for that generational thing to be broken. Amen. We've got to get to a point where we say it stops here. It stops here. If your parent was an alcoholic, you don't have to be an alcoholic. If your parent was a womanizer, you don't have to be a womanizer. If your parent was a cheat, if your parent was lazy, it doesn't mean you have to be any of those things. You are a new creature in Christ and your identity is molded and shaped by His presence and His truth. If you will roll away all that stuff and put it on the cross... Really put it on the cross. Why do you think he died for you? Just to keep your fat out of the fire? He didn't die for you just to keep you out of hell. He died that you might experience his fullness in ever increasing measure forever. He wants his people free. He wants them free up here. He wants them free right here. He wants them free. He wants us free free and it starts when we consecrate ourselves totally to him and say I'm with you and it's not my right we sang this nothing but the blood it's his righteousness he took care of this stuff at the cross you say but I can't ever forget you don't have to forget but you better let go or you will be more identified with your worst moments, your parents' worst legacy. You'll be identified with those things and it's not His will for you to live that way anymore. It's time for a change.
No longer slaves, not bound to guilt, regret, shame, or faith failures or flirtations with the world. Our worst moments don't have to define us. They need to be nailed to the cross, burned and forgotten. And by the way, if you pin anything up there, you can just summarize it with a word. God knows what the word means. And fold it up and put it on there. And I promise you, nobody's going to look at it. I'm going to take them off there, put them in a bucket and go outside and burn them before I leave here today. Because that's how gone they will be. The next thing is we need to remove the baggage of Egypt from our desires. Our desires. You see, God was requiring a final clean cut from their heart ties to Egypt. It becomes obvious, as I said earlier, that their hearts in a lot of ways were still in Egypt. Oh, they were free to roam about the desert. But their heart... There were still soul ties to Egypt. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to say things I'm not going to know how to say. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, yeah. God was requiring a final clean cut from their heart ties to Egypt turning from old fascinations, flirtations, and desired futures. He requires the same thing of you and me. Some of you have prayed a sinner's prayer, but you never cut your heart ties with the world. It's time. It's time. Because you're not going to see God do wonders if you don't cut heart ties. You've bound yourself to some old flirtations and some old fascinations. And and I'll dare go here. For some of you, it might be football. I mean, we got a son that's probably depressed for a couple of days after Saban retired, but he told me this week, he said, "It, it meant too much to me. Thank God he discovered that. For some of you, though, it's a little more, in, a little more engaged than that. It's the only way to continued wonders of God's greatness in our lives is to cut those heart ties to Egypt. There's no substitute for wholehearted cutting off of anything that diminishes our consecration to Christ. Matthew 5.30 And if your right hand causes you to stumble, slap it. No, 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 no. Ooh, bad hand. Bad. No, I don't think that's what it says. Cut that sucker off and throw it away. He's not talking about physical mutilation. We all know this. This is a metaphor. It's a metaphor for what we need to do with any shred of Egypt that influences our values, that influences our perspective, that influences our opinions, that influences the way we spend our free time. 
I'm not telling you you can't have a hobby. I'm not telling you you can't enjoy football. It's one thing to enjoy football. It's another thing to go into deep depression when your coach resigns. Some of you may get mad at me just on that one. I don't know. I don't care. It's a game. Very lucrative game for a lot of people. What does it mean for me to cut it off and throw it away? There are things you and I cannot engage in without those things affecting our heart of consecration for Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will be faithful to show those things to you if you want to see. And if you don't want to see, you can fool yourself. Because you know what? Our eyes work off our heart. Our brain works off our heart. The Bible says over and over that our heart is the thing that's in control. It affects the way I see things. It affects what I'm willing to cut off and throw away. It affects what I can engage in without it controlling me. God wants us free. Not just our identity. He wants our desires free so that when he says, I want that, we say, your wish is my command. When he says, I want you to go there, I'm gone. When he says, jump, I say, how high? That's what he wants. You say, well, that sounds like a tyrant to me. <laughs> oh, he's beautiful. <laughs> Anything he tells us to do, it's always best for us and best for him, best for the kingdom. The issue is, will I declare holy jihad on anything that distracts my consecration to Jesus as my one thing. I don't see too many in here, but there's a few young people in here. You, you, know, you know what I have seen over the years? I've seen young people when they start dating many times, they were on fire for Jesus until they started dating somebody. And their consecration, their fire and love for Jesus just takes a nosedive. Now, this may not be rocket science and it may not be professional counselor approved, but I'm going to tell you, when I see two young people start dating and I see their fire for God diminish while they're dating, I will say in my heart, that ain't of God. If their passion for Jesus increases, there's a possibility it is of God. But I'm telling you as adults, married, grandparents, I don't care who you are. If anything you enjoy in this life diminishes your passion for the awesomeness and the glory of the Jesus Christ that died on the cross for your sins, if, any, if it diminishes your fascination with the King of Kings, something's wrong. say, well, I can't quit my job. Yeah, you better get it in order then. Hmm. Yeah, it's not over yet. Egypt's baggage had become Israel's bondage. Egypt's baggage had become Israel's bondage. You see, the longer they went through the desert and didn't deal with Egypt in their hearts it became slavery all over again, just to a different thing. 
and our fascinations that are not consecrated to Christ can become our chains that bind up our lives, our potential, and rob us of peace and rob us of joy in the Holy Spirit. Anything that we cannot put on the altar of consecration before Jesus has become an idol to us. Anything that we cannot surrender and offer Him control of has become Egypt to our hearts. And if we are not willing, if there's things in your life, you cannot pray a prayer like this. I put this in your hands, God, and I trust you with it. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do it. Whatever you cannot pray that prayer over has become Egypt in your heart. And it will rob you of the wonders of God's presence and power and His peace. I know, I'm preaching it hard and I'm going to finish. Numbers 11, Numbers 14, Numbers 20. In each one of these situations, Israel hit a rough spot in the desert and every time their heart wanted to go back to Egypt. And for some of you, when you hit a rough spot, you want to revert to the same old rut that had dominated and ruined your life before. You're tempted to go right back to the same old rut. And I'm telling you, it's time to cut it off and kill it. It's time to put everything on the table for the Lord, to consecrate our desires, our future, our identity to the Lord. It's not God's will that any of us be trapped and enmeshed in lies, addiction, depression, anxiety, strongholds. Stronghold is a house the devil builds out of lies in our head that keeps us bound up in our lives, that robs us of peace, that robs us of power, that robs us of hearing God's voice because we have believed lies in our head that are not from the Scripture and they're not from God's heart and they have affected our lives more than amazing grace. And God wants to break strongholds down today. And some of you ain't going to hang around long enough for that to happen, but we're going to pray here in a minute. We have to be willing to see the roots of our recurring failures, fears, and frustrations. We must be willing to see the roots of our recurring failures, fears, and frustrations. Worldly viewpoints. Worldly values, worldly measurements. I just want to ask you a few questions. Do we value ourselves like the world values people? Just hear me. Do, do we value ourselves like the world values people? Are we using the world's criteria to determine if we're valuable or not? Or are we using God's criteria to determine if I'm valuable. Here's two more. Are we using the world's criteria or God's criteria for what success looks like? Are we using the world's criteria or God's criteria for what faithfulness looks like? Faithfulness. Oh, I know. It's not popular these days to say that church attendance is important. For some people, any reason is a good enough reason to miss church these days. I'm talking about born again people. Who's setting the measurement on what faithfulness looks like? Is it legalism to say faithfulness looks like showing up at church more often than you don't? Is that legalism? 
What does the world say is faithful? It says show up 1.3 times a month. That's the national average for churchgoers. I'm not condemning you. Some of you say, I'll let my conscience be my guide. Let me give you a little warning. You can train your Christian conscience. You can train your Christian conscience and convince yourself that real consecration is showing up any old time you want to show up. And can I tell you, half consecration is no consecration at all. Those of you who've been going here a while, you have not heard me ever say this. And you know you haven't. And you know why? Because I didn't want to be called a legalist. But I see a trend in God's people that says faithfulness is living this Christian life on my terms. And that's not consecration at all. It's not consecration at all. Don't fool yourself. You won't have power to defeat your enemy. You won't have peace in the storm if you do consecration on your terms. And by the way, if church is only an event to attend, then we're missing the point anyway. It's about relationships. It's about responsibility to one another. It's about being trained for being Jesus to family, community, and world, just like we were this morning. And you can't do that on Facebook. We got Facebook. I'm glad you're joining us, whoever you might be. We've got some shut-ins that cannot be here, and I thank God we can give our service to them. There is no substitute for obeying the one another commandments. You say, what are they? Just read the New Testament. There's dozens of them. Only way we can do that is to be responsible to one another, to invest in one another, to engage one another, to pray for one another, to confess our faults to one another, to bear one another's burdens. Do I need to go on? You get it. I am my time, attention, investment, fascinations, and focus. That's what I am. That summarizes who I am, what I am, what I have. Real consecration says all that's His. All of that belongs to His discretion. Everything that I am belongs to the discretion of my Savior. Everything. You say, that's fanatical. Boy, I'll find me a church where they take it easy. Do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. But what I read in this book is that Jesus deserves everything I am. And He deserves it whenever He asks for it and however He asks for it because His wish is my desire. His wish is my command. And if you haven't encountered the Jesus that deserves that and that you long to give that to, I invite you to meet the Jesus I know. One more major point here. I'll try to make it and we'll pray. I know it's already after 12. Not only did they need to remove the baggage of Egypt from their identity and desires, they needed to roll away the baby bottles. You see, the day after they ate of the produce of the land, manna stopped. 
No longer would they have a cloud of glory overshadowing them. No longer would they have food fall out of heaven for them. Now they had to fight. Now they had to farm. Now they had to gather. Now they had to prepare. Now they had to build. Whereas before, all they had to do was just get up and go to the next spot and God provide all of that. I'm telling you, it's time that we all grow up and realize God wants partners. And for some believers, it's either all God or it's all me. And some believers are caught up in this thing. I got to work. I got to work. I got to work. I got to make it happen. I got to make it happen. Oh God, help me make it happen. And then there's other believers that don't do anything. They just say, it's all your deal, God. I ain't got to do nothing. Just, you know, do your thing. Neither one is really accurate. God's called us to be partners. He's called us to fight when there is no feelings. He's called us to move forward when there's no evidence. He's called us to stand on promises, but He's called us into process and partnership with Himself. And these Israelites were at that place. They made that final consecration. They rolled, they rolled Egypt off of their identity. They rolled Egypt out of their desires. And now it was time to go to war. Time to go to battle. Time to engage the enemy. Time to win victories. We all want to be victors, but none of us really want to fight a battle. We got battles in front of us this year, but we're going to see the wonders of the Lord because we're going to consecrate our hearts. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. What's he really saying? He's saying, listen, I'm in charge. Get in the yoke with me. You go where I go. You do what I say, and I will pull the weight, but you will be my partner. Are you willing to go where he goes? If you are, he'll pull the weight. Are you willing to submit to his leadership? If you are, he will pull the weight and he will be the guarantor of the results. Not you. What is your part? What is my part? Obedience. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. For you with a little bit of age on you, you know the song. So we must learn to fight without evidence and follow through without feelings. We must learn to stand on the promises and dare believe God will come through. We fight, He gives victory. If we fight, we want to win victory, but the victory belongs to the Lord. And that's what Psalm 44, 6 and 7 says. I put no trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory, but you give us victory over our enemies. This is written by David who fought many battles with his sword. And yet he understood, I go to battle and I fight at your command, but ultimately you win the victory as I obey. God wants to empower some of your obedience today. You're waiting to get the power before you obey. And God is saying to you, you obey and I'll give you the power. To go where I tell you to go, to do what I tell you to do, to overcome, to cut out stuff out of your life, to change associations and fascinations. I will empower. Oh, I've tried it before, Pastor. He will empower your decisions. If it's a decision of repentance. So here we go. I do want you to bow your heads now.
I'm going to ask several things. One is this. If you've got regrets and worse moments that have, have, have haunted you and they have, they have affected your relationship with God and your ability to obey Him, your worst moments, your worst regrets, your worst failures, any of those things, but you want free today. You, want, you don't want that to define your life anymore. I just want you to get up and come over here and write it down, put pen it to that cross and stand here with me. And you're just the first of several I'm going to ask for. So if that's you, I just, I just beg you. I've got some I can pin to that cross. So I just want you to know this isn't me talking down to anybody. This may be too risky for some of you. But I'll go to the next thing. If you've got a struggle in your heart with the desires, you just can't seem to overcome it. Or you've been struggling with certain kinds of thoughts and you can't seem to get rid of them. The Spirit of God wants to set you free today. And finally, if you've not publicly identified yourself as a believer in your circles of influence, maybe because of your imperfections and you're afraid that somebody would realize, oh, you're not perfect. Why are you claiming to be a Jesus follower? So you just kept your mouth shut. You just laid low because you know you're not perfect. And the enemy has intimidated you into silence. He's intimidated you into a place where you won't pray for people at work. You won't, you won't reach out. You won't turn anybody's hope toward Jesus. God wants you free from that intimidation today. I want every one of you to stand with me. If you're just at a place where you're saying... I want all Jesus has got for me and I'm willing to put everything on the table. I just want you to come down here and stand with me for a moment. And if you want to go over there and pin something to the cross, you can. If you want to go over there and write a, a prayer request down or testimony, you can. You can do that now or after. I don't care. But if you're just willing to say with me, I, I just want everything God's got for me and I'm willing to put everything on the table in consecration to Him. I'm willing to hear His voice I'm willing to respond to His voice. I want Him to do wonders in and through my life. I, I want that. I want it. Just come on. Come on down here. Stand with me. And if you don't mean it, don't come. I, I, I got my eyes closed. I don't even want to see. Father, we just come to you as flawed people whose hearts can be turned away, whose hearts can be seduced, who, whose thoughts can be deluded. And Lord, we can be intimidated. We know that. Lord, we just come just like we are today. We come just like we are. And we just put it on the table. We say, take me.
speak to me. Direct me. Show me my own heart today, God. Show me my own heart. Show me where the baggage of Egypt has infiltrated my values and my perspectives. Show me where the, the, the baggage of Egypt has intimidated me and messed with my identity. Show me, God. And Lord, help me cut whatever off needs to be cut off and throw it away. Help me obey your words, O Lord. I want to be consecrated to you. I want to be somebody that's all in. I want to be somebody that's got it all on the table. I want to be somebody that is surrendered. I want to be somebody that walks in your wonder and sees you do mighty things, that hears your voice clearly, that walks in peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's who I want to be. I want to be able to fight battles and win battles against evil and against the enemy, not against people. I want to be able to win. So Father, I just, I just offer myself to you. I'm not looking for any magic, Lord. Help me come to the end of myself and just put myself in your hands today and just say, Lord, change my mind. Change my heart. Work on me. Work in me. Work through me. Work around me. Work for me, God. Do something. Because, Lord, my way is not going to cut it. I want to be all in. I want to see you do wonders, and I want to see you win victories through my life and through my family and through my church and in my community. I want to see it. But, Lord, help me deal with Egypt in my heart. Help me deal with Egypt in my head. Help me, Lord, to not measure myself by the world's standards, but measure myself by your grace, your mercy, and your commands. Help me measure myself, Lord, by am I surrendered or not. I'm just going to linger just another minute. I, I, there's just things I can't say. There's things that, that the Holy Spirit's got to say to you. And He's ready. He's ready to say it. Can we just sit here a minute and just say, Speak, Holy Spirit, to me? Do you really want to hear what He has to say? If you do, He'll speak. And it may be that you have to go home and lean closer in. It may be that you have to focus your heart on hearing what He wants to say to you. It's worth it. It's worth it. There's no other way. I'm just going to look around. Is there anybody here today and you've not ever surrendered your heart to Christ? You're, you've not ever recognized and confessed you're a sinner, you're in need of a Savior? and you believe Jesus is that Savior, and you're ready to put your past, present, and future into His care and control. You're ready to put your entire being into His care and control and say, I'm yours. Cleanse me. Save me. Change me. Let your life come live inside me. I give you my life for your life. You've not ever prayed a prayer like that. You've not ever experienced a reality that. But you're here today, and you want to do that. Anybody? I'm looking. I'm looking around. Maybe we're all believers. Maybe we're not, but I'm looking. Anybody? Okay. All right. Okay.
This isn't emotion time. This is decision time. I love that song, darling, but can we play I Surrender All? All to Jesus I surrender all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily. I surrender all. Sing it with conviction. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I all right, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put some meat on the bones. Lord, I surrender my plans. It don't mean you're gonna make me change them, but I surrender them. I surrender my fascinations. I, I surrender my desires. I surrender my rights. I, I surrender my ego. I, I surrender, Lord my offenses against people. I surrender unforgiveness. I surrender my anger. I surrender those things that tempt me. I surrender. I surrender my agenda. I surrender my opinions. I surrender my perspectives. I surrender all of it and I put it all in your care and control. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, mold me, shape me, direct me, command me, direct me, correct me, whatever you want to do. I'm all in. I'm yours. Just help me hear you clearly and empower my desire to obey you. Des empower my desire for more of you. That's a prayer he'll hear. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to dismiss everybody here in just a moment. But if you are here and you're, there's, there's a struggle going on inside you. Maybe it's, maybe it's guilt and shame you just can't seem to get out of about the past. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's, maybe it's fear of what God might tell you to do if you really listen. Or maybe it's a besetting sin that controls your life and you can't seem to break the chains. I'm gonna challenge you just to stay here when I say amen. God bless you, see you next Sunday. 
I'm going to ask you to just to keep standing here and I'm going to ask our prayer team to come back and we're going to lay hands on you. Father, thank you for this group of people called Lake City. Thank you for what you're saying to us today. You don't say things like this to be harsh or hard-nosed or controlling. You say them to set us free. You want free people freely loving and serving and obeying you because you are awesome. May we go leave this place identifying with you, consecrating all of our desires to you, listening for your voice and direction and looking for the wonders you want to do in us, through us and for us and around us. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Feel free to go unless you want prayer. And if you want prayer, just stay right here. God bless you.